So how's the uh, how's the weather? We are hitting up with uh, snow now, which is fantastic. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, hmm. it's uh, 36 this morning. Actually, I had to pump up the uh, the heat a little bit. 36. So how's absolutely. the uh, how's the weather? We are hitting up oh, with uh, like snow now, which is fantastic. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, hmm. it's, uh, Mental note: Don't have the live security podcast uh, up in a different window when you start streaming. <laughs> I was like, "What did I do here?" Uh, that's too funny. Yeah. Well, it all worked out good though, uh, which is great. So, um, yeah, the uh, the weather here is getting getting uh, insane, um, but uh, it's always that time of year that I enjoy doing it. But it's always fun. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to some snow this year. We didn't get any really last year, and the kids were bummed. Um, so yeah. when we have snow, it's it's always fun. It's been, we we've got a good hit, uh, hill up the street for sledding, and then people drive in from all over to go to that hill. And there's there's actually a sign there that says "sled at your own risk." That's yeah. permanent, yeah, um, because it's the spot, and uh, you can you can get a good run going. But if you if you uh, don't bail out at the last minute, you may end up in the creek. Uh, so we even though it's quite a long way during during covid there was this um one park that we had here and um it was a combination of like ice and snow and it's the hills that i used to take my kids on all the time and um one kid actually got killed and the second one got paralyzed uh which was absolutely horrible obviously but um that can be dangerous but at the same time uh definitely a lot of fun when you're going uh sled around with the snow that's what like we have a, a group of folks, uh, friends that we go with from from Cub Scouts, and uh, we all go uh, sledding and, and all that good stuff at a different hill uh, that isn't as as dangerous. But uh, uh, that's, that's, this is the time of the year. Like I'm starting to listen to the Christmas music and uh, starting to get into kind of the spirit of things. And you know, uh, Aaron, my wife, uh, doesn't uh, doesn't allow us to have Christmas music or uh, lights in the house until right after Thanksgiving. So it's like the day after Thanksgiving. Like it hits midnight. <laughs> And Christmas is going around, I'm starting to decorate the house. And she's like, seriously? You didn't even wait, like, you know. It's like, oh, no, no. It's midnight. It's time. You know, this is... This. <laughs> yeah, similar rules here. Christmas doesn't happen until after Thanksgiving is over. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's funny because you, 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 sometimes you think this is a new thing, right? Um, but when watching the older uh, Peanuts Christmas specials and stuff, they're, they're talking about the commercialization of, of Christmas back in what 60s and 70s yeah. and even in the 80s they're talking about what are you talking about christmas wreath that's not even thanksgiving yet <laughs> that's funny it's it's amazing how uh culture has stayed the same throughout the years too um so you remember the movie uh christmas story yeah the classic from the, the early 80s right and um what's interesting is most of it was actually filmed here in cleveland actually all of it was filmed here in cleveland and they had the original uh christmas story house and it has obviously the leg with the lamp in it and um, and where the uh, casino is now used to be the old uh, uh, department store that they filmed the whole the famous Santa, you know, uh, you'll shoot your eye out, goes down the slide, and all this other stuff. Um, went through this place, and when I was a kid, uh, my dad used to actually take me to that uh, location, and they had a massive Christmas. It was like multiple floors of like Christmas stuff, which was really awesome. And they had like I remember they had this like futuristic robot, and it would actually talk back to you. And, you know, what I didn't realize as a kid is there's literally a guy around the corner with a microphone, you know, responding back to you. So I was like, oh, that's great. oh my gosh, we're living in the future. And this is like, you know, 1985, you know. And I'm like, this it's like is Disney a... magic. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, you, you can actually have a robot obviously talk back to you, which is which is crazy. But, um, no, hey, we'll, we'll get started here in just a few minutes, folks. Uh, just letting a couple people uh, hop in here. We'll get started right at noon Eastern time. Uh, so about two or three more minutes, but we're just catching up and, uh, you know, ESN for a little bit until we kick it off. Absolutely. Yeah, I find it interesting how many, uh, especially Christmas movies, are filmed in and around Chicago. 
Yeah, really. It's it's, it's like I also I, Die I Hard, a, right? Yeah, Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Although I uh, that was actually filmed in uh, at the building in L.A. Apparently, was that it? was the building owned by uh, I think it was Fox, and okay. so they owned the building, and they had the upper floors were were being renovated. Uh, but the accountants were on the lower floor, and so they were ex complaining about the explosions. <laughs> so that would have to be done when they're not working. Could you imagine, you know, like, that's the complaint you get from the building owners? Like, right. there's too many explosions and people's bodies <laughs> flying off the top of it. <laughs> That'd be hilarious, yeah. It's unfortunate with, uh, with Bruce Willis. Like, it's one of Aaron's yeah. uh, 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 favorite actors, and, uh, you know, his, his, his health has been declining, obviously, very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, but um, amazing actor. I, I pretty much love all those movies. And we just actually watched The Sixth Sense with my kids. And my one son is just ridiculously smart. And he's like, at the beginning of the movie, he's like, I bet he's dead. And I'm like, dang it, dude, come on. Oh, like, so, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't watch Sixth Sense now. I just ruined the whole thing. So. Speaking of other movies we can ruin, um, the one thing that really annoyed me was... Uh, the one movie that was ruined for me that I was very disappointed about um, was a big, big, super popular movie years and years ago. I was looking forward to seeing it. I wasn't able to get to see it until several weeks after it had been out. Of course, it was a big popular movie, so it had been out for a while, still in the theater. And I was really annoyed because people were like, yeah, um, the ship sinks and everyone, like half the people die. And I'm like, why are you going to spoil Titanic for me? I, mean, <laughs> I, I was looking forward to seeing that movie. Stop spoiling movies. Listen, I, 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 we should put a disclaimer on here that Titanic was going to be spoiled uh, you know, at the beginning of this. But uh, sorry for all the listeners here that uh, we ruined the whole movie uh, for you all. Well, they are 20-plus years old. What, 30-plus years old now? Yeah. And yeah. Not, not, to, not to make us feel old, Dave, but... Uh, yeah, these are these are older movies. What other movies can we spoil now in this in this uh, podcast live live cast about uh, cybersecurity? Well, so uh, let, let, let's run through them. So Iron Man dies, right? Uh, <laughs> dude, it was like it was like uh, like six months or a year after that. I happened to mention it on Twitter, and I got destroyed. Like, are you serious? Like, I'm like, it's been six months. Like, there has to be a spoiler explore. Uh, you know, uh, expiration here before, you know, we realize whether or not, um, you know, it, it's, it's okay to say online or maybe, you know, like put like little spoiler tags on it or whatever. But, yeah, so uh, statute of limitations, right? If you haven't seen yeah. a movie in, in five or ten years or 20 yeah, years. Yeah, I think whatever. five or ten years is reasonable for, for you know, uh, you know, getting rid of that. But uh, I did hear that they are coming out with uh, a different, like, Marvel Universe where Tony Stark is back or whatnot. Uh, who knows? But uh, well, it's a comic book movie. No one really dies in comic never, book movies. Never. Never. It's going to come back somehow, right? That's yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like on South Park. Kenny is always, he's eternal. He's <laughs> That's right. Kenny comes back every episode. So Yeah. Um, yeah I, uh, what's old is new again, Dave. We, we've got right. The Simpsons still on. We've got South Park still on. Apparently, Furby is one of the hottest toys, along with the Dancing Elmo. Like, I don't know where it is, to be honest. It's going to get Barney back and, uh, you know, a few other ones, and I think we'll be all set. So <laughs> I'd be okay without Barney. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I never about that. I will say, like, one of my, my most iconic things as a kid was uh was my teddy ruxpin and actually oh, yeah. I, I do like attribute that to me getting into cybersecurity and hacking because my parents got me this teddy ruxpin and you know i was you know would move its mouth and its eyes and when i and it had like a companions too i think there was like a caterpillar if i remember correctly mm -hmm. i never got those but i had the teddy ruxpin and i listened to everything and after that i'm like how does this work and my parents went uh, you know to work or whatever and they worked super late at night so it was like you know it's funny you look at like the 80s and 90s kids, you know, our parents worked till, 
you know, seven, eight o'clock at night, you come home and you were home alone the whole time. Like, you know, like you, you, you had, you know, like, you know, there was no parents in the house from, you know, seven o'clock in the morning until eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And that was okay. We figured it out. You know, we had, you know, refrigerable, you know, microwave refrigerable uh, type of foods and, you know, figure things out that way. But, uh, I remember tearing apart my entire, my, my entire Teddy Rucks bin, like circuit boards and everything, just to figure out how this thing worked. And I had, you know, all the volts hooked up and, you know, my dad had a multimeter and I'm sitting there figuring out like exactly how it's interpreting, you know, the cassette tape to audio and how the speakers worked and all this other stuff. And I'm like, huh, I think I could like, like do something cool with this. And, and so I started modifying it. So it would sound like a dragon and it had like, you know, like different tones on it and everything. So I was actually modding my Teddy Rucks bin when I was like, you know, eight years old or 10 years old. It was actually last week uh, in my basement, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's good. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah well, we'll kick modulator on it. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, we'll kick this off in two seconds. I just want to adjust the light here, and we'll be ready to go. All righty. So welcome to uh, Movies and Toys with Dave yeah. and Sean. This is a new feature on the live cast. I literally if, think... If, I literally Please think, make sure uh, you like and subscribe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I literally think or something. I literally think we could uh, um, figure out like a good like series where we just talk about old '80s and '90s movies because oh, I'm yeah. I'm reliving all of them with my kids now. Like we're seeing all of these really good um, movies. Um, so like everything from like Ghostbusters and Back to the Future, obviously the classics. Right. Uh, but we just watched Super Troopers. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> and they're getting to the age now where we can start to watch some of the cool ones. And Gavin's now 15 and a half. He's almost 16. And so, um, you know, we'll do the, uh, the like kind of risky movies that might have like a, like a couple like nudity scenes or things like that. And I'm like, right. So it's like, it's like this awkward pause. We're both like staring at the opposite direction, not looking at each other. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I watched, uh, the original clash of the Titans with kids. 1981 is when the movie was done. Uh, the special effects looked like it was from the seventies. Uh, but fans of the original Batman from the 60s, Burgess Meredith, who played the uh, Penguin in the 60s series of, of, of Batman, was in there. Uh, oh, no. He was one of the actors. Lawrence Olivier, uh, Ursula Andress, Harry Hamlin plays uh, Perseus. So it's, uh, the kids were kind of like, I don't know, these special effects look really weird <laughs> when they released the Kraken. It just looks <laughs> awful. Uh, but the story was compelling enough to keep at least them, them around watching. So yeah, I mean, sometimes it's it's, uh, obviously, with the newer Star Wars and things, which are all CGI, and some of the newer movies, which are all CGI, we were talking about the Marvel movies, uh, story still drives it, and and it was enough to keep them around and watching, so that was that was good. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's good times catching those up, and uh, for what we thought were like the most amazing graphics at the time, you know, uh, I was watching a, a thing on Facebook. It was a kid getting a, a Nintendo sixty four for Christmas, and just the excitement, you know. Um, but, you know, playing like GoldenEye and all these classics back then and just incredible times. But anyways, we digress into the talk. Let's talk cybersecurity, which, uh, Absolutely. you know, appreciate having you on, Sean. And, you know, we've been we've been friends for years um, and uh, it's been amazing to see, you know, your growth at Trimark and, you know, what you folks are doing. Why don't you give a little bit of background yourself, intro, uh, for the folks that, that may not know you, uh, although it's pretty hard because you literally became, and, and, and here's Sean's going to blush and be like, oh, I didn't, you know, whatever, I didn't do the same thing. But, you know, Sean, you know, you really you really became kind of the central authority around um, Active Directory security, Microsoft in general. And just, you know, one of the biggest targets that we always go after as attackers is Active Directory, whether it's, you know, in Azure uh, or whether it's it's on prem. And you really were kind of the forefront around where those main misconfigurations were, where, 
even Microsoft uh, had known a lot of things that had been built over, you know, 20, 30 years of just stacking things on top of each other and how those kind of work and permissions and the complexities around AD. And I remember, you know, we were sitting down at the, the restaurant a couple of years ago before you started Trimark and you were, you know, talking about how you wanted to be able to help organizations with this. And, and it really wasn't a focus at all uh, for many companies because they just assume, hey, we have organizational units, we have group policies set for those, we're good to go. And we abuse that all the time uh, in, you know, uh, as an attacker. And I'd say not all the time, it's literally every single time, right? You look at your tax surface and it's, you know, if you're a predominantly Microsoft shop, we're going after Active Directory. I mean, that's period. Whether it's, it's, it's in Azure, whether it's in Mix and Hybrid, whether it's on-prem, we're going after Active Directory. So literally it's the staple core critical infrastructure around your protection, security, and essentially, you know, policy for your entire organization. And you saw a really big need there. So maybe get a little bit about yourself and, and you know, what you folks are doing at Trimark. Because, I mean, you know, obviously I'm a huge fan, but I love everybody else to know too. Well, thank you, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. So it was interesting because when um, the Golden Ticket uh, talk was done at Black Hat back in 2014, uh, Skip and uh, Benjamin Delpy at, at uh, Skip Duckwell and Benjamin Delpy did this talk talking about uh, how you could grab, if you were able to get the, the password hash for the CurveTDT, uh, domain Kerberos service account and Active Directory, then you were able to forge your own uh, Kerberos ticket, so your, your TGT. So basically a golden ticket to anything on, on the network that uses Kerberos, which is like everything within Active Directory. And after that, it, there were a lot of people that were like, oh, well, you know, no one could get that hash because no one can compromise my Active Directory. So I started seeing there was a gap between what the folks that actually administer Active Directory, how they saw it, and then the pen testers and red teamers and attackers. And this gap was so huge because it was like, well, no one could get that, but then the pen testers and red teamers that I talked to said they always do. So I started putting together talks around this and certainly figured out how to um, detect uh, golden tickets in, in use on the network. Um, did a lot of work behind the scenes on that and, and in addition to other things that, that were mi all things Mimikatz, basically as well as some things that were interesting to me, like unconstrained delegation, which was something yeah. that just was not well understood at all. So I started digging into a lot of different things that organizations were using, but we didn't understand why they were why they were the way they were. Like, what does, that, what does it mean when you check that box? Uh, kind of like Active Directory Certificate Services today. What does it mean when we check those boxes? Nobody knew then, we know now. Um, I like to say that the, the attacks that were theoretical are now practical, yeah. and those are the things that we're, we're having issues with. Things like Kerberos staying where we have uh, service counts and other privilege accounts that have uh, uh, Kerberos service principal names or spins associated with them. And then you can just capture that information about the ticket and then hold on to it and then basically uh, hack the password, break the password offline, which means that the attacker can, can take forever on that. And the things that were supposed to make this harder for the attackers really haven't, you know, made it that harder. Um, the thing is, like, we have firewalls. We have had firewalls since the Internet. We've started connecting things to the Internet. That hasn't done anything from a security perspective, at least for, from the perspective of protecting your internal network. And so we have to change what we've been doing. And part of what I wanted to do with Trimark was help make that difference, just like what you do with Tri uh, TrustedSec and also with binary defenses. Figure out a way how you can make a difference. And for me, I didn't want to do what everyone else was doing. Yeah. I want to do something a little bit different. So uh, when I was focused on Active Directory security, it really started coming together around what are the things that really matter from an Active Directory security standpoint, because the folks that manage these systems they're fighting fires all the time. They're busy. They, they don't have time to keep up with, okay, what's the latest petted POTAM 
or a curb relay up or whatever name you want to have like squibbly do they don't care about that the only thing they care about is to make sure that everything is working and that the executives and leadership and the stakeholders have access to what they need access to when they need to have it so it's the you know the confidentiality uh, the integrity and availability they care about availability that the CIA triad so it really comes down to empowering them to also understand hey there's some other things that you can do here that are relatively low level of effort. Um, I know I don't like saying anything's easy. I like right. saying it's straightforward, right. um, because nothing's really easy these days. And so, what I did with Trimark, founding it uh, about seven plus years ago, Gosh, was coming up. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Seven. It's over seven years ago. Um, and the great thing about it, Dave, I'm very proud that we've we've worked with the Fortune 10 and beyond. We've worked with hundreds yeah. and hundreds of customers, Active Directory, Azure AD, and VMware. Now, uh, we did add VMware a couple of years ago. We have a, a, a couple of well, a couple of members on the team that put that together, and, and several that are just really, really sharp in VMware. No one's looking at VMware, which just amazes me. Um, but from the perspective of what I wanted to do different was have a security assessment. And so what this does is it kind of fits in between what your traditional compliance and audit is, which is, you know, check boxes, and what your pen test and red team was. And so what I wanted to do was to empower organizations with an assessment that would give them all the information, all of the issues in their environment, say, here are the things you should really be looking at. So what are attackers doing? We, we looked at that. We looked and, and talked with incident responders. We talked with red teamers and pen testers and said, what are the things you're going after? How is it usually compromise the environment? Overwhelmingly, we hear it's password attacks, you know, password spray and Kerber roasting. That's the, the, the big ways in, the big ways to actually compromise the environment. We've worked with uh, cybersecurity uh, or cyber liability insurance companies and talked with them uh, and done work with them. And they've said that service accounts are getting compromised all the time. That's one of the biggest ways that attackers are compromising environments. So what we did was we focused really in on those things that attackers are really doing. So, of course, what are the things that are most important for us and are the same things that should be important to, to organizations. It comes down to protecting those privileged accounts, making sure that they have passwords that are recent and strong. What's strong? Great question. Um, but also making sure that they're, they're focusing on those things that really matter to disrupt the attacker's playbook. And really that's what my focus is, and I know that's what your focus is as well with the information that you all share and certainly what we share at Trimark. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, you look at um, various TTPs that come out for pretty much every single breach that's out there, right? Everything from initial access to privilege escalation, post-exploitation scenarios around lateral movement, exfiltration of data, it's all hitting AD. I mean, you know, 99.9% .9 of the data breaches that we see are going after the corporate infrastructure. And once you do the password spraying or you coax somebody into, you know, giving your MFA token and you circumvent multi-factor authentication, now you just have initial foothold into, let's just say, you know, Microsoft 365, and now you're in their environment and you start to look at you know, what policies do they have there? What can we do from an initial access perspective? Even business email compromises, you know, rudimentary all the way to, you know, some of the most sophisticated attacks are all targeting, you know, Active Directory in some way, shape, or form, or Azure AD. And, you know, you, you look at that and you say, well, that attack surface is so large, but if you historically go back to all the data breaches in the past 10 years, you know, they're all relatively the same as far as what they try to go after, right? Um, they inject, you know, into memory and they use something like Mimikatz to, you know, pull back WDigest or look for, you know, hash values on the, on the system itself that they can use to either A, grab a local administrator account that's shared across the other systems or B, you know, an, an Active Directory account that allows them access into other systems or has maybe accessible permissions on another one or you're able to bridge over from one account to the other. And you see those attacks and 
you know, Kerber hosting, for example, you know, and having like SPN accounts, service principal name accounts that allow you to have elevated access if you crack those credentials because they usually are administrators on at least a handful of systems or a number of systems. The unconstrained delegation, printer spool options that you have, again, check marks that somebody might have put in place that no one knew about. Um, and then, you know, you look at uh, what you're able to do with certificate authorities uh, and the ability to abuse that as well as Kerber hosting, silver tickets, golden tickets. But those like top 10 things are really the top 10 things. And those are the things that, that become, as you mentioned, I don't wanna say easy, but they're relatively not hard to accomplish to fix those specific issues. Um, and it's just a matter of focusing on those. And then it gets more complex with permissions and you know everything else that starts to come along with it. But if we're able to, to shrink that attack surface down and, and focus on hardening AD, you have a substantially better shot at withstanding a breach or at least making it substantially more difficult so that you know down the road midway through their attack you're able to detect them and then move on and you know i think that's the biggest struggle that i see in most companies and organizations is that you know one a they lack the visibility in ad uh two they you know lack the controls in place to make it more difficult uh, and three you know it's the same pen testing techniques with you know, LLMNR and multicast and, and, you know, NBNS, it's, you know, these password reuse attacks, it's the weak passwords or password spring from credential stuffing. It's, you know, it's the same things that we continuously see, but because AD is so simplistic in many ways for the end user, it creates this, this kind of cataclysmic effect around how attackers abuse that. And, you know, AD in itself, if you had, you know, complex passwords everywhere, you were running, you know, um, the latest and greatest, it probably would be a little bit difficult to get into. But humans and the patterns that we create, you know, across the board around getting our infrastructure up, you know, making uh, systems work when maybe it's a legacy system or other things, it starts to reduce the integrity of that infrastructure. And even on the box, you know, AD could be uh, very much insecure depending on how you set it up in your environment. And so what you guys have done um, is really taking it, you know, as you mentioned, the Fortune 10s and others, but really taking kind of a, a, a methodical approach at looking at an organization's attack surface and say here are the things that you really need to focus on from a prioritization perspective to address this and one of the things that I, I recently learned that, that you folks do which um, you know has been a need in I think our industry for forever is merger and acquisitions you know you look at what happened with with uh, MGM and that's a, a great case in, in a, uh, you know, not, not, we won't, you know, I don't know if they're a customer or whatever, so we don't want to talk specific here about that. But, you know, when you look at, at um, what has happened there, at least what we know from public details, you know, they just continuously gobble up new casinos and, you know, slap them on the network, right? And it's the integration piece that I see a lot of organizations, whether it's financial institutions, hospitals, whatever, when they're acquiring new hospitals, when they're acquiring new, new banks, when they're doing these things, there's not a lot of good due diligence on how that merger uh, happens and the permissions and the conflictions that occur when you start to do that. So you, you, you folks come in and look at that from an M&A perspective and say, hey, here's, here's the, the, the issues that you're going to run into as you start to go through this. And that's when you start getting into these, these you know, multi-forest situations and, and subdomains. It starts to get really complex uh, where a lot of these companies struggle. So you're really hitting a lot of the different areas that there really isn't a lot of expertise in in this field. As you mentioned, even even me, you know, I previously, you know, systems administrator, rest of my career on the offensive side. And when I start getting into to group policy, it's like I'm learning a new programming language, right? It's like right. it's like learning C for the first time. You know, you're like, oh, my God, this sucks. You know, there's so many, you know, things that go on that could create some integrity issues around your environment and security and, and ultimately, you know, some of the pain points that customers experience. What are some of the things that 
that you see from M&A perspectives, but also just in general for what companies really struggle with on you know their corporate infrastructure? Sure. I, I think one of the, the biggest issues that I've seen over the years, especially with those organizations with multiple forests, many of those forests have been uh, picked up through mergers and acquisitions, M&A scenarios, is um, just trust. Uh, so basically the forest is a security boundary until you connect another forest to it via a trust. Now you've extended that security boundary to both of them. Uh, at a DEF CON talk years ago, I was talking about how the, the configuration of Active Directory leads to a lot of these issues with security. And one of the things I, I gave an example of, it's, it's like if you gave someone, a friend of yours, a key to your house, well, now you're not the only one that has access to your house. Your friend does too. It's that extension through a trust. Instead of giving them you know, access to a keypad to get into your garage, and maybe you have the garage door locked or not. So there's ways to control and constrain that, but most organizations, when they acquire another company, they just go ahead and set up a trust. They can let that organization run as they have because often when one company acquires another, there's contractual agreements where for a year or two or more, uh, that that company that they bought has to run the way they have been, and they have to hit certain metrics. So therefore, they really can't do a lot to change it. Maybe they onboard those users directly into their main forest and all the HR systems, but they let everything else kind of be the way it is. And typically, as you know, it's it's maybe a week. If, if you get a week to, to do a, a quick pen test, to do a, a quick analysis of that environment, maybe it's a few days. Um, one of the things that we've seen in organizations is, these M&A environments, that's not enough. Like, it's it's a checkbox. Yes, there was some sort of security check on it. But you know, Dave, like a few days to a week, that's not enough time to really have an understanding of what that environment looks like from a temp pen test perspective. Uh, so what we put together is a tool that we call Trimark Vision. Um, so we're actually doing a webcast next week for, for launch where I'm going to be talking through it and demoing it and everything. And this is very specific for those M&A scenarios. By the way, I'm just throwing it out there that you totally stole our name for our, our EDR product vision, <laughs> by the way. But uh, but at the same time, we stopped using that a long time ago. So. You stopped using that a long time ago. So I thought it was up for grabs, Dave. It's such a good, it's such a good name. And uh, it's, yeah. it's funny because, you know, um, you know how, how, first of all, how did you come up with the name Trimark? First of all, oh yeah, great question. So um, for me, the the number three has always been lucky. I, I I'm Irish, so you know the the Trinity and, and the Catholic faith, and then also the the Shamrock has three leaves. Uh, so for me, I was always trying to find something in threes, and so really it was going to be try something. Uh, Trinity was the first part of it, but like started looking around. And since uh, my mom was born and raised in Ireland, immigrated over to the U.S., so for me, very tied into my Irish heritage. I'm over there regularly to visit family about every year or so. So I feel very connected to Ireland. I wanted to make sure that I had something that was Celtic or Irish related to what I was doing. So I, don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, they're opening up the DeLorean manufacturing plant in uh, June or July in Ireland. I'm actually going to go out there and uh, walk the DeLorean uh, shop floor. So they made a lot of the production of DeLoreans. And so if you're in, oh, if you're wow. in Ireland in June, July, we can hang out. So <laughs> That sounds awesome. Yeah. I'll figure that out. Yeah. But go, uh, sorry. I mean, <laughs> no, absolutely. So one of the things I found was that there was um, that the Celtic warriors were very feared uh, by a lot of different other other uh, cultures and, and and nations at the time, and so the Greeks actually had a name for a certain battle technique that the Celts had, um, and the Celtic warriors would would have this situation where basically you'd have the the horse-mounted warriors that would ride into battle. But the horses that were trained and the warriors would that were not on not lucky enough to be on the horse or lucky or not uh, would 
would run behind. So you'd have this first wave of horse-mounted warriors that would ride into battle, and as they were taken down by arrows or whatever, the horses would loop back and pick up the next warrior. And so you ended up with this constant wave of warriors that were horse-mounted that were very intense. So they might not have had enough horses for everyone, but the horses would loop back and, and, and bring them in. And so the Greeks call this, this battle technique trimarchesia, and so okay. I should shorten that to trimark. Very cool. So I thought I, I know related that. it pretty well with, with what, we, what I was trying to do with trimark, which is every, you know, we talk about defense in depth, defense in layers. So our approach with our customers is always, if one thing's going to fail, one of your defensive layers is going to fail. So what do you have behind that? Yeah. And this is the thing that we really focus on intensely with, with uh, our assessments. Uh, our assessments are a combination of custom proprietary tools. I've had red team companies that have offered a lot of money to, to buy our, our assessment tools, not for sale. Uh, but we really do look at everything within Active Directory, everything in Azure AD, everything within VMware to identify what the issues are. But as we talked with a customer about that, because we, we layer not just the tool doing things, but people uh, on our team who have uh, operations experience and security experience, so they've managed, administered, secured these systems. Uh, so we have that understanding of what's harder than other things to do, so we can actually not just say here's a priority, but here's an also an approximate level of effort on how to do that. But as part of this whole process, what we're doing is looking at, okay, you have this mitigation for this issue, but if that fails, which we have to assume one thing's going to fail because that's sure. how it typically works, then what's behind it? What's the next thing? So effectively, we work with our customers to help them build out those defensive layers. And so that way, it, it hardens up that, that internal network, which often is, is like that soft, gooey center of the marshmallow. The m yeah, exactly, um, which is which is way too soft. And now we have situations where most organizations have Active Directory on-prem and they have Azure AD, now Entra ID, in Azure, the cloud. Yeah. And they have these hybrid cloud connectivity, such as Azure AD Connect, now Entra Connect. And so uh, in addition to that, there's all, all sorts of options like pass-through authentication, Azure AD seamless single sign-on, and there's potential security configuration issues with each of those. So as these layers come out, as security researchers publish their information, we incorporate that regularly. We do our own research. Uh, we actually released a tool uh, about a year, uh, at the beginning of this year, I believe, uh, called Locksmith, written by Jay Kildreth from, from yeah. Trimark, who's done a number of uh, presentations at conferences. And Locksmith is on the, the Trimark GitHub for free. The cool thing about Locksmith and, and what we're trying to do with our tools, another one we just released called Blue Tuxedo, which focuses on Act Directory integrated DNS security, is these tools just don't, they don't just scan and say, here are your issues. Really what we're trying to do is go the next step, which is Locksmith identifies all the critical issues that, that are, we know about in Active Directory Certificate Services today. But it also gives you the information on how to fix it and takes that That's to one step huge. further, which actually generates the cert util command in most situations. So for example, ADCS has no auditing enabled by default. All the boxes are unchecked. <laughs> and what is the recommended security best practice for it? Check all the boxes. Well, that's kind of a pain if you have two or three or four CAs. You have to open up each one of them, check all the boxes. Uh, Locksmith generates a certain util command, for example, to go ahead and set that auditing for you. And it's free and you can download it from our site. So one of the things that I've wanted to do is not just improve the security of Trimark customers, but help improve the security of the world and the community at large. Um, that's why I released a PowerShell uh, script in the summer of 2020 because I was getting tired of seeing ransomware just run rampant everywhere. 
So we released a PowerShell script that that identified here's what these configurations are in your Active Directory environment with a very lengthy uh, article that's associated with it. So you can perform your own Active Directory security review. And so that way, anyone. I think you can demoed that. Uh, I think you demoed that at DerbyCon in 2019. Uh, Beyond the Easy Button is your talk that you gave. I think. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. The, yeah, the, the Beyond the Easy Button was fun because that was like how you could actually cloak your AD environment against attackers, yeah. uh, how, to, how to actually hide it from Bloodhound, yeah. um, things like that, which was kind of cool. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, the, this, this was kind of the, the, the DerbyCon talk was kind of the genesis of that. And yeah. okay, so a lot of the talks and focus that I did was, okay, here are the more complicated, crazy, interesting things that could be done. Well, let's bring it down to what are the things that you really should be doing. We actually yeah. did a webcast uh, a little while ago on, uh, you know, I think it was actually last year, on here are the top 10 things that you can do to, to improve your Active Directory security more quickly, like today. What are the easy things you can do? Um, and we actually owe the community a, a part two, which we will, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be putting out there. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's hard, Dave. And this, the situation yeah. is if I was an Active Directory admin in, in 2015, in 2020, I'm not just dealing with Active Directory, I'm dealing with Azure AD and Microsoft 365. Yep. In 2023, I'm not just dealing with Active Directory and Azure AD and, sorry, Entra ID and Microsoft 365. I probably also have Okta, and we saw what happened with that recently. Okta, so for those that, that didn't hear, Okta said uh, to the breach that happened a little small while ago. Small number, just a small just number. Just 1% of customers were affected by this breach. That's it. Data from just 1% of customers were, were, were touched and affected. And now, I think 100%. it was yesterday, what, last night, 100%. Every customer in Okta, yeah. except for the high uh, security government customers, had some sort of data that was that was uh, uh, viewed or accessed, which what, what, I thought was very interesting. We included phone numbers. What boggles my mind about that is that it really hasn't made much news or press as far as, you know, this kind of staggered disclosure with you. And, and I understand, like, you know, as you're doing incident response and you're kind of going through and trying to figure out everything that's going on, you, you want to give all the data that you possibly can. But, you know, Okta has had a number of major security incidents over the past couple of years. I mean, we had the one contractor that was compromised uh, through, you know, the Lazarus group. We had a number of other ones that have come kind of come since then. And, and obviously, as large as they are, the integrations they have as an IDP provider for, you know, some of the biggest corporations out there, you know, their storefront publishing, their ability to do single sign-on across the enterprise. Um, makes them a massive target from nation states and adversarial groups, you know, across the board. So this threat model is like literally everybody. Um, and to go from, you know, 1% to 100% is mind-blowing because they work with the largest customers in the world. Uh, and, I mean, there, and there was no detections. There was no, you know, ability to, 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 to really protect against it at all. And, um, you know, the, the single IDP sources are starting to be, you know, majorly concerning to me as, as far as, you know, their impact that's having an enterprise. But I, I thought that was crazy because it's not making as much news as I thought it would. I'm like, 100% of, of Okta customers impacted by this, that's a big freaking deal, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and I mean, uh, Okta components were definitely uh, involved in the MGM breach, potentially yep. in the Caesars breach, yep. um, based on the information that was that was shared. Uh, Adam Chester, trusted sec, had, had published a, a, an amazing article about attacking Okta and certainly the Okta components on-prem, um, something very similar that Okta does, that, that Microsoft does, pass-through authentication enables authentication across 
diff disparate systems, so basically between Okta and, and Active Directory. And it was very interesting. Uh, Adam had a great write-up on it. I, I reached out to him. I said, this is fantastic. I'm doing a talk. Can I, can I use some of this? He said, absolutely. So Adam's I incorporated awesome. it into the talk the next day at uh, the Experts Conference in Atlanta. And I, I talked about that. And I had a customer, actually a Trimark customer that was in the audience that came up to me. He's like, I reached out to my manager right away. I said, if Sean Metcalf is took this and added it to his slides the same day, then it's important enough for us to take a look at it. So so kudos and cheer, and, and thank you to Adam for, for doing that that incredible. Dude, uh, Adam. Which, Adam is like one of the most Impressive. humble, like smartest people that I've ever met in my life. I mean, the guy is just, you know, he's like, it was like a couple, it was like a year ago. He just starts picking up AI because he wants to learn, you know, more about us and how he can leverage it, you know, like ML and AI in his, you know, uh, offensive capabilities. And, uh, you know, just a really, really good uh, dude. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of folks on the research team and the red team um, that are continuously innovating. But that Octa one, uh, by far one of our largest, um, I would say traction publications that we've done, you know, over this year. I mean, it was it was definitely uh, huge. Uh, uh, Melvin just did one on kind of the trifecta around um, how you leverage um, uh, post exploitation within uh, Azure. Uh, I'm just gonna say Azure because I can't I can't do it. Um, but not intro. But uh, uh, it, it, you know, the, the the research is coming out in these areas, um, and this is one area that I think you know, we all talked about. So, you know, I remember, man, this was 2014, 13, everybody's like, no cloud, no cloud, no cloud. Right. You know, security, our own instances, can't do cloud, can't do cloud. And all of a sudden Even it's like- 2017, 2018, yeah, 2019. Yeah. Still we fighting were, it. We were having customers, all the all the law firms were like, nope, never, nope, never. not gonna do it. And all of a sudden it was just like one day like, ah, we're good now, it's fine. Yeah. And, and um, but what's interesting about that is that if you look at, at kind of research, right? And you look at the industry as a whole, what happens is there's there's a lag effect. And, and there's, there's a reason for it because attackers will typically go for what's the most prominent, predominant, most research, easiest to get into. Mm -hmm. And so if there's not a lot of research done um, on you know the cloud infrastructure side, well, they're still going to continue to leverage phishing techniques and normal ways of getting access to someone's computer and then from there moving laterally and all this other stuff. Now you start to see you know these higher end, a few years ago, you start to see more of the higher nation state adversaries doing a ton of research and focus on cloud infrastructure, right? And then you start seeing ransomware groups so like Kasey and other ones, you know, obviously SolarOne's is a big one. And you, see, you know, uh, going more after, um, you know, cloud, cloud providers as you start to look at this and more uh, managed service providers, one to many. And, you know, you look at attack surface wise, I mean, if I'm going to go after one person, that's great, or one company, but if I have access to a thousand companies, 10,000 companies, a million companies, you know, that is a huge, huge problem that we're facing right now. And the research really is going into cloud. Uh, you know, how do you, you know, grab that from an attack service perspective. What are your capabilities there? And here's the thing, you know, I do, you know, talks all the time as, as do you, and I always have the audience raise their hand about who feels that they have better, you know, visibility in cloud infrastructure than they do on their on-prem and not one person ever raises their hand, right? So, you know, visibility, our ability to secure it, you know, relying on the cloud provider itself or the, you know, provider um, in, in general, all of those things start to kind of go out the window, and this is a major issue to start to see. And Azure, by the way, being the core crux of that, as you start to look at managing your accounts, your people, your persons, and so you know, I, I want to get into vision because I think that's really, really important, and I want to spend some time there about, about what you're fixing um, and the need in the industry for that. But I want to hit on two topics really quick. First, um, I love companies like yourself, and obviously we've been friends for, for a number of years, but you know, our mindsets are very much the same around community. Uh, and, and, you know, to me, you have the same, same type of opinion where, you know, I'm, I'm very um, uh, blessed to be in a position that I'm in with my company and the people that I have because of the community, right? You know, the community 
uh, gave me a lot of um, uh, motivation as well as uh, feedback and continue. You know, I, I work with a number of my friends that, that you know from the community, right? So my companies are successful because of that. So I have a kind of an unwavering loyalty to always help um, the industry improve, but it's always been my mission to make the world a safer place, as you just mentioned earlier. Um, so, like you folks, you know, Black Hills, uh, Red Siege, you know, just amazing folks that are out there, just not not for the profitability gains from a corporation perspective, or or you know, talking about a you know board of directors and and you know hitting PLs from a PE firm. It's it's having fun with what we're doing because that's our passion. And you honed in on AD, and you're like, hey. There's a problem here, and you change the industry because of it, not because you're looking to make a buck, but because it was the right thing to do. And so, I just want to give you kudos for that, and to and, and to John, and you know, to, to all the folks that are out there doing the right thing to help make the world a safer place. And by the way, it happens to be our job now too, which is the cool part about it, right? We're having fun doing what we're doing uh, to be able to do that. But hitting on on your point around um, the visibility aspect of things, so I, you know, I, I've gotten to see a few. You know, screenshots and demos, and you've walked me through uh, Vision. Uh, what was the main driver behind that? First of all, what does it do? And then when are you releasing it and how do I get it? Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of questions. Yeah. Right, I got it. Yeah. Um, so Vision is something that I've had in mind. I've had the Vision of Vision for, for years now. I, I always wanted to get to the point where Trimark could release a, a cloud, a, a SaaS version of what we do. Um, but I felt like in order to get there, I had to see a lot of different environments. Because as you mentioned, Active Directory is fairly simple, fairly straightforward. But ultimately, it's infinitely customizable. Um, Scott uh, on my team, uh, Scott Blake, who's our, our identity security team uh, 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 lead person, he, he, um, he and I have this conversation regularly about like, okay, have we seen all the different environments? Jake as well. Have, have we seen every AD that we could see? No, absolutely not. Because the complexity of every it different. is so, everybody can configure it a little bit differently. I mean, we've seen environments with 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 OUs. We've seen environments with 500, 10,000, 15,000 group policy objects in a single domain Active Directory Forest. Yeah. No, we've seen you. Active Directory Forest <laughs> with 77 domains. Um, you know, we've seen environments with, with dozens of trusts. And so I wanted to feel like I've seen enough. I mean, we, we've also assessed environments that had 900 plus thousand users in Active Directory and also other ones with, in Azure AD. Uh, we actually assessed an AD environment that was over 3 million user accounts in it because they just never deleted or just really did anything with those. So we've seen a lot of different things. And I wanted to get to the point where I knew that I'd seen enough that we could actually take that kind of corpus of knowledge uh, not that we keep any customers' data because we haven't been, um, but the understanding of what we've seen and how we've improved our tooling uh, in order to be able to uh, adjust and, and uh, adapt and, and be able to capture and, and, and analyze those environments. Because obviously an environment with five domains in the Act Directory Force is very different than one domain. One that's 20 years old is going to have a lot more issues than one that's three years old. So with those sort of scoping boundaries, we were able to put around, okay, this is about how long it takes to do assessment, about a month or so, a month and a half, depending on the size of the environment. But that's a lot of time, and it costs money, as we talked about. There's a lot of organizations that can't always afford a full security assessment or a full scope pen test, for example. So we wanted to make it more accessible. And we also had uh, questions, uh, the, the most common question when we deliver a report to the customers, how do I know that these things have stayed in place? Now, granted, 
vision is going to be, is a subset of what we look at from an act directory security assessment standpoint. Um, again, we don't feel like a tool can do everything that a person can do uh, at this point in time. So therefore, we, we recognize a vision is going to focus on the most important security issues in Act Directory, which, which includes Active Directory certificate services, which includes uh, things like uh, unconstrained delegation, which includes these things like uh, accounts with old passwords and, and uh, AD admin accounts that, that have uh, Kerberos spin associated with it. All these things that we've talked about are things that Vision focuses on. Additionally, what we decided that was important was to provide some sort of real-world scoring based on what attackers are actually doing and what matters. So it's a combination of risk and impact and uh, to a certain extent exploitability as well, where we're able to show and show the other part that I thought was really important with Vision is not just like a forest in the console and then you have another forest that you might not be able to look at because it would need its own instance or its own console. But the goal of Vision and what we've executed on, which I'm really proud about, is every Act Directory forest in the environment can be in that single Vision console. So we, that's very powerful because now what we can do is we can correlate findings and issues across those. We can give you a hit list of these are the things you need to work on. By the way, real time too. Real time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's Near real time. time. It's yeah, a, yeah. yeah, it's about once a day where the refresh happens. Um, we're doing a launch webcast next week where I'm going through and talking through everything on Wednesday, December sixth. Uh, everyone can go and register on trimarksecurity.com. And so the cool thing about Vision is really providing that information up front and center. The CISO has has the ability to go and see what the issues are. Or Global SOC. The, the security team has the ability to see across the entire organization, no matter how many forests they have, from a handful to dozens to hundreds. But the important thing to me for Vision was to empower the operations folks, because I find that too often, no matter what security tooling is used, the ops folks are just getting things thrown over the fence to them. And I yep. managed a large AD environment for years myself. so. Not getting the full information about what the issue is, why it's important, how to prioritize it, as well as some detail, is one of those things that was challenging. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so sorry, you got a question there. Um, so what I think um, was most impactful from when I saw it is that, you know, when you look at, at just the initial configuration of AD and you start to install this, right? So it's, it's one agent, essentially, that you install, right? Mm -hmm. and, yeah, absolutely. And, and it connects back and you have this dashboard and it's again near real time so once a day but again ad being your largest uh, attack surface that you have out there one you get that those itemized prioritizations of of what you need to focus on but two whenever you have new changes or things that are happening that conflict with each other open you up from a security exposure um and merger and acquisitions things like that you you have um a real-time portal that is telling you what you need to focus on to address and, and, and remove those 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 specific areas and i know you're also uh well i don't know if i can talk about that so i won't i won't say this um but um but you are expanding the features and functionality as time goes on to handle you know, a, a larger breadth of, of environments. I'm trying to be vague there, um, but um, yeah, absolutely. So, so well, you got to save something for next week. Dave. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but but what you all are doing there, um, you know, and what I saw from it, you know, I was blown away because there really isn't anything out there in the market today that does this, right? And you know, you have scripts and things like that that you can run to see misconfigurations, but it doesn't get down into the level of essentially the living, breathing thing that is your Active Directory environment. And I think that's been one of the biggest. Uh, misses that we have and the ability to continuously monitor the largest attacked surface that you have in your environment 
um, is is absolutely incredible. And here's the funny part about it. So you know, we just released uh, Impeter Detection Engineering Platform recently, and yeah. you know, our mindset with it was give a community edition version, but also make it cheap uh, for folks to be able to you know actually be able to obtain this right. And you know, we could have you know the, the Fortune Five and Fortune Ten and Fortune One Hundred is like, oh my gosh, you can charge so much more. And we're like, but we don't want to, right? We want to, you know, make this affordable for everybody to be able to do it. And you did the same thing. You know, you're like, I told, what's the first thing I told you when you told me the pricing? It's like, <laughs> Sean, you can charge cheap. so much more. You you know? so much more. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it goes back to what you were saying, Dave. Like, it, you can, it, you have this one life, right? You can, you can make a difference. Yeah, I want to be able to look back and go, what are the things that I did in my life? What are the things that I changed? Uh, certainly, I've done a lot of work, a lot of research, published a lot of information. Um, there's a lot of things that I've published, including... You know, gold ticket, golden ticket detection information on how to detect um, password spraying of of accounts, especially using Kerberos uh, authentication, um, detecting Kerberos thing, you know, things like that. And many people, including members of the, in the Trimark team, were like, "Hey, we could like sell that." And I was yeah. like, "I don't care. I I want organizations to better understand what these issues are and how to fix them." And that's the thing that we really focus on at Trimark. Isn't just you have these issues. Uh, I, I joked recently that that we're we're you know not just a security company helping improve these things, but in some ways we're providing kind of security therapy as well. Yep. Like you can fix these things. These things can be done. We've worked with other customers. We've seen these things get resolved. I, I at every conference I'm at, I'm usually at the booth at the Trimark booth. Uh, we'll be at ShmooCon. Uh, looking forward to seeing everyone there. But one of the most common things that I get asked uh, pretty much once at every conference is, "Can Active Directory be secure?" And my answer is yes, it can. It does take work, but yes, it can. Uh, we have customers that have pretty impressive Active Directory configurations from a security perspective. Uh, By the way, and, I've been I've been to some of your customers that have that, and it's a nightmare for us. So I'm just throwing that out there. So. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, and the crazy thing is the environments that we typically see, a third of them don't have appropriate auditing configured on the domain controller, so they're not even seeing your activity, Dave. Yep. Uh, and then the other thing is if there's a root domain, the root domain typically is less secure than the That's child right. domain, which has all the users and computer accounts. Yep. Those are the most common things. And talking about, like, I kind of group these these things that we've been talking about, you know, from an attack perspective. We have password attacks, so password spraying, curb roasting, etc., right? That's kind of one group. We have the um, situation where it's basically getting a certificate or a signing uh, system of some sort and leveraging that to create your own access. So there's different types of that. You know, one thing is the Curb TDT golden ticket attack. One has uh, been termed the golden SAML. I actually talked about this in 2017 at DEF CON, uh, where if you grab the, um, the, the signing ticket or token from, or the signing certificate from ADFS, you could then write your own ticket to anything. At the time, I said it was just like a golden ticket. Uh, months later, uh, there was a tool that was released, and it later became uh, known as the golden SAML attack. And we just, you were just saying about how attackers are going after these uh, organizations and companies that have all this access. And as part of the Solarigate attacks, which leveraged the Golden SAML attack pretty extensively, they also identified that there was a way that uh, many organizations have allowed access, global admin access, into their Azure AD tenant, their Microsoft 365 environment, because of the cloud service provider uh, configuration. And so because of this delegated access, which Microsoft called delegated access permissions or DAP, it wasn't granular. The biggest issue with this was once that customer said yes, 
that one group within that CSP tenant, that cloud cloud provider tenant, um, had global admin access to every one of their customers. So 50, 100, hundreds of them. And that one account, which is a member of one group that applies to all of them, because that was the model that Microsoft came up with. Yeah. And so the Solarigate attack. Oh, wait, how, how, is, how is a normal IT admin ever supposed to understand those complexities? Oh, no right? way. Yeah, there's no, no way. way. No way. And, and you know what? The, the way to figure out if that was configured was hidden from the, from the UI for the most part. There was a very, uh, a, you know, a very archaic uh, 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 PowerShell commandlet in order to pull this information, but you'd have to know exactly how to do it. And then in not in all cases would you actually get that information back. Something we check Crazy. as part of our Azure AD security assessment, what we call our Microsoft Cloud security assessment. But these are the things that are hard. You know, just like in Azure AD, you have applications with permissions on the tenant, just like we do service accounts that are in domain admins. It's the same sort of thing. The same issues that we've had for years in Active Directory are now the same thing in Azure AD. New name, Entra ID, same issues. Uh, the problem is that admins are never going to be know about these things unless they get a pen test and the pen tester happens to use that if they don't even have to use that then they won't yeah. know about it and that's why what i feel like what we do with our security assessments is special because we're we're identifying all the issues we're identifying all the most important things that you need to know and putting that into the report making sure you have the information and not just putting it there to figure out but do these things first then these other things and what we did with vision is took that approach and 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 writ that large into a SaaS product where customers can actually see what's going on. They can also see the improvements. They can see things improve over time. They can see their score improve. They can objectively compare different environments. So that way when they're doing an M&A, they get the agent installed or they can just run a tool and upload it manually because there's an offline mode in Vision where you can actually see and compare the two. And Vision will tell you this this uh, your your production environment is rated this score this, this M&A environment is right at this. And here are the comparisons between the two across the most important areas. And that way, within two, maybe three days, the customer can know what the real security issues are in this M&A Act Directory environment. And to us, that was very important because we saw that as a gap. And just like you, Dave, what you've done with TrustedSec and, and Binary Defense, I want it with Trimark to try to identify what these gaps are. I think the next big gap that the industry is trying to get a hold of is this newer type style of attack again it was always theoretical now it's practical is what lazarus lapsus um i think a scattered spider went after mgm and caesar and, and others yep. now um including including clorox uh what they're doing now is they're calling up or they're impersonating support personnel mm -hmm. or they're they're compromising the support personnel to jump into and then have access just like with okta right and so we have these newer style of attacks which are just basically social engineering which you've done for years right but it's a new application of it in in a way that you know that instead of going after the admins let's go after the support person yeah. personnel which by the way um, have elevated permissions maybe not don't right. be an admin but it's your foothold in to get access to the rest of your right. infrastructure right and, and, and let's get them to yeah. to approve whatever that mfa purpose is or source is and then we just add our own mfa and then we don't have to worry about set. them at all yep and it, that's another thing too, um, you know, on the MFA side, that I, I'm I'm so against push notifications. I think that should just go in a burning fire of, of where the hell that came from. But uh, you know, that's where we see most of the errors occur. You know, obviously things like UB keys or you know one-time pins much much more safer in many uh, cases in regard. Um, but that goes into the policy side too about what you. Um, allow how you add new MFA solutions in place and kind of the policies and structures around that. 
And, you know, again, when you start looking at, at Active Directory, it's more than just group policies. It's more than just organizational units. It's, it's a lot of things and complexities that go into there. And you just, you know, spotted off one on the sample side that, you know, I'm sure 90% or 95 or 99% of, of people haven't even looked at, um, you know, and gone down that rabbit hole, which is a major attack surface for most organizations and companies. So, you know, for me, when I, when I saw, you know, Vision, you know, it's early stages and where it's kind of gone to now, um, huge necessity, huge need for that. And what I like, I think, most best about it, and I'm not trying to plug this for you for, for folks, but, you know, when I see that there's a need, you know, I, you and I are very much the same way. We, we create something or we build something to solve that need, right? Um, you know, and, um, and you know, with, with Vision, I really like what it's accomplishing because it's something that is ongoing. You know, what I, what I find in a lot of these fixed assessments is that you get this report and they crank through the reports and then everything's you know good to go. Whereas the security industry is always evolving. There's always new attack vectors that are coming out uh, and ways that are doing things. And so when those come out, you're building those into vision. So the customer's automatically getting those and you're seeing those new you know attack vectors go. Or again, merger and acquisition, right? You know, and you need to see the, the impact that's gonna have. Or things change. Somebody changed the configuration or setting that you didn't know about, uh, which, you know, inflicts, you know, pain and, and, and suffering and agony to your AD infrastructure because you didn't know about it. You know, um, we're obviously on the binary defense front side, very much on the, the MDR space and log sources and telemetry data. And uh, nine times out of 10, we always, you know, we start to see a, a log source that, that went away. And if we weren't monitoring that, we would never know that that log source is no longer there. We're not able to see that the data and potentially miss an entire compromise. We go to the customer like, oh yeah, uh, ooh, yeah, we made this mistake, my bad. You know, we have a firewall now blocking the, the log data so you're not able to see it anymore, but we just fixed it. So, but you know, those things are catastrophic to an organization because you, you implement the fix and then all of a sudden there's a change in it and it you know, now equates to, to you know, not having that visibility of those controls that you thought you had in place in the first place. So the, the validation piece, the reporting piece, the continuously monitoring and updating and your ability to really have a good level of assurance on, again, the most attacked surface in your infrastructure um, going to be huge. So when when are you planning on releasing uh, Vision? And, uh, you know, I, probably, probably, I don't know if you talk publicly about the, the pricing, but I thought it was very competitively priced. Uh, not competitively, it was ridiculously cheap priced in a good way to give that to the masses. Um, I mean, what's great about this is I feel like as an industry, you know, we always tailor to the Fortune 10, Fortune 100, Fortune 1000s that are out there. And so you're affording detection engineering and threat hunting and all of these to the companies that can afford that, right? But, you know, the SMB side and companies that don't have dedicated security teams and personnel that don't know what to do, you know, they're always left in the dark. And these are the ones that you start to see a lot of the, the breaches happen, at least historically you've seen the breaches too. Now they're moving to bigger companies like MGM, Caesar, Clorox, you know, et cetera. But, you know, um, it's interesting because, you know, this is affording, you know, one to many um, that, that you've been able to build within the vision. So. When are you releasing it? And, you know, give us some, some teasers and updates there. Absolutely. So um, join the, the webcast that Trimark's doing next week on uh, Wednesday, December 6th, and uh, sign up on TrimarkSecurity.com. I'll talk about all the details, including pricing and all the fun stuff. Uh, we are signing up for early access, which uh, we're launching in, in conjunction with ShmooCon. So um, Trimark will, will be all about vision. It'll be a vision takeover at the Trimark booth at, at ShmooCon uh, January 12th. I love so that's when we're doing an early access launch, so we're getting customers into it. Uh, it's full production. Um, we're very excited about it. There's tons of checks that we have queued up for it that we're adding, adding, adding new ones all the time, plus a, a long roadmap. But yeah, the, the goal with that is to do something, again, different, something better. Yeah. Um, we're not trying to be everything to everyone, which I feel like a lot of the security products that are out there, that's what they're trying to do. 
our what, how long have you been developing how long have you been developing this for our security uh, it's been over two years yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean so so I, I don't think folks recognize like how much time and effort that you've put into this and and your team has put into this um it, this wasn't a this isn't a half-assed product this is something that you have built meticulously and you would not release until it was you know, vetted by customers in infrastructure from a beta testing perspective, you know, been able to go through kind of the rigor or more and iterate and get better on it from feedback from everybody. And, you know, you definitely did it the right way. And um, so when this is coming out, I mean, it's it's a full-fledged, you know, product with, by the way, it's going to have continuously be improved, obviously, over time as we do. But, you know, it's been impressive to see, you know, where it started from, where you're going now and kind of the iterations for it. Um, so everybody needs to tune in to that that, uh, that that webinar that you're going to be doing on it to kind of get a lot of the good details out there. Um, we're coming up on, on some time here. we got about six minutes. Um, wanted to ask you one closing question, and then we'll kind of we'll come up from this. Um, and we'll, we'll, I'll do a little bit of outro on how to find you folks and all that good stuff. But what are the top five things that you see most organizations have misconfigured in the AD environment that they should absolutely focus on priority-wise right now, today, as we sit here going and logging in via RDP to their infrastructure right now to take a look at? Absolutely. So uh, the number one is knowing who the admins are. I mean, it, it, these things sound very basic and simple. The problem is that the, the fundamentals are the, the, the foundation of everything else. Most environments we see that there are accounts that don't belong in domain admins, administrators, enterprise admins, those, those that we capture and categorize as Act Directory admins. Um, go through, scrutinize what those members are, check the last password change. The last password change is over a year or two, they probably needs a password change. Um, there's arguments and discussions about what the password should be. Should passwords never change? Uh, yeah, we can get I go into back and forth on that. Yeah, that's, that's, that, I, but, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely uh, on the the team should change more frequently with longer passwords. But just from an access perspective, you get a compromised account if it lasts six months. That's much more damaging than not. But that's just my personal. Yeah, but well, but, and and the thing is, like with with Microsoft and NIST saying that you don't have to change passwords like ever. Uh, yeah. But there's caveats to that, and yeah. no one reads the caveats. Right. And one of the key caveats is protecting the users from putting in bad passwords like right. winter 2023 right <laughs> and so that's one of the key caveats of, of never changing the password i still think that there should be a password change even if it's two years or three years yeah why well guess what happens you tell everyone you were never you don't have to change your password and then your company gets breached and all of a sudden everyone has to change your password that's a big red flag yeah. hey by the way we've been compromised because we're changing the password yeah. like uh, well, I have to see because, too, like if you have a separate domain admin account from a normal user, a lot of times this the, the person that's using their regular account is the same password for the domain admin account. So it's just an easy bridge and crossover from the separation of duties there too. So password management, and, and I hate using the term hygiene because it's been overplayed, but you know the password hygiene aspects of things I think is really, really important um, you know, to, to communicate for users, but most specifically around privilege access, right? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, so looking at those accounts, figuring out what the, they are, knowing who they are, then service accounts. Um, service accounts are overprivileged, service accounts are in domain admins way too often. You can get them out of there. Uh, I did a I did a, an article on AD Security years ago called There's Something About Service Accounts. Go and read that. It, it'll help you reduce it uh, on your own. Uh, the other issue is with delegation, Kerberos delegation. Yeah. Um, find what's using unconstrained delegation, figure out how to shift it over to constrained. Um, if you still have the spooler service running on domain controllers, don't disable it. There are way too many attacks that are leverage the spooler service on domain controllers. Uh, along with domain controllers, figure out what you have running on your domain controllers. Do a, an audit 
an inventory of your software that's running on, on domain controllers and audit and inventory those. Uh, we still find old agents. We found VNC viewer on a domain controller in, in an assessment uh, this year. So uh, I found one that had bad. the old. I had the. I found one recently this year that had the VNC viewer bypass, which is like a 1999 exploit. I was like, oh my gosh! Like I just warped back. I couldn't even get. I couldn't yeah. even get the, the application <laughs> to run on. You know, like I had, I had to put it in like compatibility mode. I had to like boot an older OS, and it actually worked. I was like, wow. okay, this is impressive. But yeah, it's amazing what you find. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's uh, we're at four now. Uh, number five is ensuring that anything that has the ability to authenticate or is involved in authentication or syncing, like ADFS, like Azure AD Connect, put those into their own OU and just make sure that Active Directory admins have the only uh, are the only ones that actually modify can can link GPOs to it. Um, that's another thing. Group policies that are linked to domain and domain controllers. Uh, nobody should have rights to those except for your Active Directory admins. Uh, far right. too often we find domain controllers where server admins or someone else, uh, some other group has the ability to modify those. Those groups inevitably have a user account or something like that. Um, if you have a, a privileged access management system like CyberArk, um, that counts in there as well. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how many times. Pretty much every time that we found CyberArk or, or a privileged access management system there, we figured out a way how that could be compromised just by walking through where it is in the OU structure and how permissions flow down to it and how group policy applies. Well, last, so, Lazarus was able to use the Thyconic yeah. password access manager to compromise on, you know, all of Uber, right? So definitely right. an important one from a... a and, and because they found a, the password for that, for that in, in, in a share. Like yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, I... I <laughs> But I can't talk to that specifically, yeah. but yeah, it's yeah. it's it's hygiene, you know, yep. the hygiene of these systems. You shouldn't have passwords out there when you have a password vault, um, yep. especially something that that has the ability to do API uh, key exchange with with like all the all you have to do is give the uh, the uh, script an API key and it can talk to the password vault and get that credential to use in that moment. Yep. Um, that's that's one of the standard things that these these have now. So. Um, the other thing I would say that's really important is that when you're hybrid, understand what you're what you're connecting. Yep. So um, things like uh, the Okta synchronization, Azure AD Connect, pass-through authentication, those those systems open up and and change your security posture. Uh, Scott Blake on my team did a great webcast just a few months ago where he talked about how over time the complexity of the environment, the security of the environment. Complexity goes up, security goes down because we've added these things. We've added these things because they matter and we need them, but there's unattended consequences. Yeah. And I talked last year about the, the identity nexus and how we've connected these systems. So Active Directory, Azure AD, AWS, Okta, uh, we have VMware on-prem, we've got Azure, GCP, AWS in, in the cloud. All these things have interconnectivity and we have unintended consequences with the way that we have enabled operations and administration of these systems. And it's important to understand what those are. Um, yeah. I would say as a closing thought, the most important thing that any organization listening to this can do is figure out your authentication flow. How does someone log on and authenticate to any an important system in your environment, whether that's Active Directory, Exchange Online, SharePoint Online, Workday, Salesforce, whatever is the critical system in your environment, how does that work? And are there MDM systems that are involved where they don't have to MFA? Where do they have to MFA and where don't they? and then challenge those assumptions, because I guarantee you the attacker understands your authentication flow way better than you do. Yep. yep.
Absolutely. Well, those are amazing tips uh, from that infrastructure piece. And, you know, there's obviously the, the nitty gritties and details and things like that that come out of, you know, those types of things um, that allow you to really build a better, better security posture across your entire enterprise. Um, Sean, really appreciate you coming on. I just want to give a quick plug to Trimark. Listen, top folks in this industry, I mean, you, you're, you have specialized and found your niche and being the best of the best at what you do. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, we talk all the time and, you know, you're, you're honed in on, on these areas, on making sure organizations are protected. It's kind of your mission statement. So, you know, Trimark has a number of folks on the consulting side that come in, look at your AD environments, look at VMware, look at, you know, your overall security posture and really help you build and sustain this complexity that we see with Azure AD and with, with AD on-prem. As well as you know, you know, pretty much your entire enterprise, right? From from a Microsoft and Active Directory perspective. So, you know, huge, huge group of folks there that do amazing work. I know many of them, uh, and just, you happen to have the best caliber, I think, of folks that that are literally in the industry, and especially in the specialization here. Uh, and then, obviously, with the addition with uh, what you're doing with Vision, I'm really excited to see the launch. Uh, I know I'll be implementing it here at Trusted Sec. Um, so, you know, um, one of those things that I think is just really cool what you've been able to build um, over the past seven years, which again, I can't believe it's been um, seven years. So, um, but one, let's just do another really quick plug. You know, let's outro with, you know, again, the, the webinar. So, speak a little bit on the webinar timeframes and, and, and place uh, where they can find you. And, you know, ultimately, um, we'll close it off from there. Absolutely. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, go to TrimarkSecurity.com to register for the webinar. We also have uh, TrimarkVision.com. If you're interested and want to get uh, a personal demo, more information, happy to set that up for you. Um, I'm Pyrotech3 on Twitter, uh, X, uh, so P-Y-R-O-T-E-K, number three. Uh, so you can follow me if you haven't already. Uh, occasionally, I post something tech-related. Sometimes, I uh, often why I post random things. Uh, but yeah, the, the Trimark team, follow Trimark, at Trimark Security, we, we publish a lot of free information, tooling, and, and things that are helpful. Uh, in fact, Jim Sikora on, on my team, uh, he published a 30-page white paper on how to improve Active Directory Security more quickly. It's available for download at hub.trimarksecurity.com. No registration required. Um, if you want to reach out to us and talk about what we do, absolutely, but we're not going to force you to register for something that, that will help you secure your environment for free. Awesome. Well, Sean, thanks so much for coming on today. And, uh, you know, always a pleasure to catch up with you, man. And uh, thanks for all you do to make the world a better place and safer place. And for the whole team at Trimark, uh, definitely need to check uh, Sean and his team out. Uh, we have leveraged them. We've seen their work. Uh, we've gone on to customers that have their work. And I can tell you the resiliency and the improvements that you see from these type of things are absolutely incredible. So appreciate your time, dude, today. And uh, always great to see you, man. And, uh, you know, thanks again for coming on. And thanks, everybody, for listening and tuning